in our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. Uh, it is a privilege to be here again, and I have been praying a lot that soon, soon, and very soon, we are going to be, we are going to see each other face to face, and we are going to enjoy the company. Right now, we just have here um, Carl Jobin and, and my brother Colin McKay, and in the back, I have Ronnie, but one day, I'm dreaming that I will see all your faces right here and we will go uh we are going we will go nuts when we see we see each other again right so i am i am excited for that day meanwhile we are we are using uh, these um means that the lord has provided for us uh, to to share the good news of the gospel and his word and to worship him uh, together even when we are not in the same place so let's start with a word of prayer amen Lord, we come before you, giving you thanks for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will open our ears and you will open our eyes and we will see the wonders of your word. We will treasure the teachings of Jesus, your son. And we will be able, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to put it into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we have been saying since the beginning of this service, today we will continue with the Lord's Prayer. Last Sunday we saw the first part, and today we are going to see the second part of the, Lord, the Lord's Prayer. Last Sunday, we learned how to pray, and we saw how Jesus illustrates at the same time how not to pray. Do you remember that? Jesus was telling us not to pray like the hypocrites because they like to pray in public to be seen, but to pray in secret where our Father, our Heavenly Father, sees us in the other way he was he, jesus teach us how not to praise please not pray not to pray like the gentiles who pray using meaningless words repetition without thinking without processing in their minds and in their hearts what they are going to be asking to our heavenly father but jesus teaches us as well how to pray. And you remember the first part 
was our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, the Holy One. And we will be praying for His kingdom come us and that He will come one day and fully reign on this earth and He will descend and we all will be living in a place that He is preparing for all of us here on earth where everything is going to be right, everything is going to be just, and He will be the King forever. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in as it is in heaven. So the first part we saw last Sunday focuses on God, the one whom we are praying. And now Jesus takes us from the heavens where our Holy Father lives to the earth where we live. And Jesus now leads us to pray and to ask for our physical needs and for our spiritual needs. So, the first request that we see this morning in verse um, 11 is give us this day our daily, our daily bread. A preacher once humorously, humorously said, we are not asking God to give us our daily cake. We are asking God to give us our daily bread. We are not asking God for riches, as Ana Patricia was explaining uh, early this morning. Or we are not asking, we are not up to ask God for luxuries or for an expensive clothing or for the things that we want. No, Jesus is teaching us to ask for our daily, our daily bread. We need, brothers and sisters, we need to learn how to pray because we are used to ask for what we greed and not for what we need. Martin Luther, commenting on this part of the Lord's Prayer, he, he said, we must pray for everything necessary for the preservation of life, such as food, a healthy body, a good weather, a house, a wife. Yes, preservation of life. He was saying, as for your wife as well, for our children, for a good government, and for peace. And he continues saying, you need to be praying for God's protection from calamity, for diseases, and for difficult times, like such as we are living right now. So I'm just quoting Martin Luther uh, right there. But it is very similar to what we read in the book of Proverbs. And I am sure that you have heard about this uh, verse in the book of Proverbs. If you go with me to chapter 30, verse 8 and 9, we read there, this uh, Solomon was praying and was saying to the Lord, Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches, 
for, and he says, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profi profane the name of my God. This is how the book of Proverbs put it. Give us our daily debt is how Jesus put it in the New Testament, right? And then if you go a little bit in the book of, in the New Testament, Jesus continue, continues teaching about, about this same truth in Luke, as Ana Patricia was mentioning this morning in Luke chapter 12, verses 22 and 32. You can read it later at home. Jesus teaches us, teaches his disciples about the consequences of living with anxiety for tomorrow's provision. And then concerning food, Jesus said, consider in verse 24, Luke chapter 12, verse 24, the first part says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. The ravens were and are everywhere, every place around the world. These insolent birds know nothing about farmers' hard work. Yet, Jesus is telling us, yet, God feeds them. This does not mean that Jesus' followers are not to work. For in another parts of the Bible, it's very clear that Jesus teaches us about the importance of work hard. Jesus was merely using a common bird that lives according to its God's given capabilities and show that God provides for it. And then in the same verse, uh, the second part of Luke chapter 12, verse 24, the second part, Jesus says, consider the birds and then consider yourself. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Yes, sisters, brothers, we are much valuable than a bunch of birds in the, wheel, in the wild field. God takes care of them and thus he can take care of us as well. And you probably have heard this poem before, but I just found it this week, and I really, really enjoy it. It's very short, but I wanted to read it. I wanted to read it, and I want to share it with you. As, and I, I pray that you will, will hear this poem as you heard the, this poem for the first time. So listen, pay attention to this. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry, and worry so? 
said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be they have no heavenly father such as care for you and for me. Don't you think it's a beautiful illustration? They understand that they don't need to be worried for anything because God provides for them. That is how you and I should live every day of our lives. But now, let's continue with the next part. Forgive us our debts. In this, in this second part, Jesus teaches us that we cannot stop asking only for our physical needs because we could miss out on what is more important than bread, the salvation of our souls. If we do not repent for our daily debts, it will, it will be of little use to have our bellies full in this life. Can I repeat this to you again? If we do not repent for our daily debts, it will be of a little use to have our bellies full in this life. We depend on the Lord for all things. That's what he has been teaching us uh, before, uh, in, uh, before in the prayer, in the Lord's prayer. We owe, come, we, we depend on the Lord for all things, for our daily bread and for our daily forgiveness. So when we pray, we need to be praying, yes, Lord, give us our daily bread, but then we need to continue. We shouldn't stop there. We should continue saying, and forgive us our sins. Forgive us our trespasses. In this version, they use, and forgive us our debts. The word debts illustrate the nature of our sins. The idea is this. We owe complete obedience to God, and when each of us fail to give our total obedience to God, we become debtors. And God is the creditor. Now think how much time we have seen this day. Think about how many times you've seen just through this morning. Think about, about how much we have failed to obey God. We Dears, we live in the land of debt. If you believe that the global economy is bad, let me tell you that our spiritual economy has been in depression for thousands of years. For this reason, Jesus is teaching us to pray and forgive us our debts. Imagine that you owe $75,000 or 
on your credit card with interest. Just imagine that. When we pray, forgive us our debts, it's like asking the bank to forgive us $75,000. Now, asking the bank for such a thing will take all the humility we can muster, right? And this is precisely what Jesus is asking us to do. Let go of our pride and humbly acknowledge our great debt and ask forgiveness. Don't get your, your sin to, 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 to let you so prideful in, in your heart, in your mind, that you don't say, no, I don't think God is going to forgive me. Let that uh, uh, behind and run to your Father and ask, forgive us our debts. Even though this passage doesn't explain how our debt is forgiven, we all know how the Gospels end. Jesus dying on the cross and in so doing forgiving our sins our past our present and future debts can be forgiven only because Jesus came as Matthew 20 28 says to give his life as a ransom to pay our debt before our debts before God. And that's how, how we can sing some Sundays or every day if you like. We can sing, Jesus pay it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Because of Jesus, our debts can be paid in full. How many of you say, Amen? Thank you, Lord. Of course, there can be nothing more terrible than after having received forgiveness, not forgiving the debts of others. And look at what's next. In Matthew 6, verse 12, forgive us our debts, and continues, as we have forgiven our debtors. Jesus assumes that if we pray for the forgiveness of our debts, we too are forgiven, are forgiving our debtors. Once, a famous preacher was approached by, some, by a member of his church. And, and this man was known to be someone hard to deal with. And in the middle of the conversation, very prideful, this, many, many, this very prideful man said to the preacher, Oh, 
With me, people have to be very careful because I do not forgive. To what the preacher replied, oh, then my brother, I hope you never sin. And this story may sound funny, but, but it is not funny that someone who has been forgiven cannot forgive others. There was once a pastor, uh, there, one, there, there once was a pastor who, when interviewing aspiring church member, members, asked them, is there a person in your life whom you have not forgiven? If you, before you want to become a member of this church, I need to ask you a question. Is there a person in your life whom you have not forgiven? This pastor understood that just as it is essential to ask new church members about, do you believe in the Trinity? In the Trinity? Do you believe in the divine nature of Jesus? Do you believe about the forgiveness of sins through the death and resurrection of Jesus? He understood that it's also necessary to ask them if they believe about the sacred calling of forgiving others. Now, if you think that this is an exaggeration, Way to hear what the Puritan pastor called Thomas Watson said about this verse. He said, just as a man can go to hell for not believing, so the unforgiving one can get to the same place for not forgiving. I know this may seem like something very radical, but let me clarify something here. Of all the Lord's Prayer, the only part that Jesus expands, the only part that Jesus gives a commentary from his own mouth is on the subject of forgiveness towards others. He didn't comment, uh, our Father who are in heaven means this, or he didn't comment like uh, forgives our debts, or uh, he didn't comment on give us our daily bread. He didn't comment no, in any other part of the Lord's Prayer. The only part that he commented was about forgiving others. And that's what we read at the end on verse 14 and 15, is his explanation, his commentary on this, and says, verse 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So you see, for Jesus, this also was something very, very serious matter. Jesus emphasizes a simple but important truth. 
All of us who have been forgiven are called to forgive. Paul put it in another way in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 32. And it says, Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I just want to make 10 seconds, a stop, a full stop here. And I want you to stop and think. Is there a person in your life whom you have not forgiven? Think about it. And if you are like me, then you will find one or two in that list. I ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus, pray for forgiveness and ask the Lord to give you the strength to forgive your brother or your sister. And now we come to the last part of our text, of the Lord's Prayer. And lead us, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yes, we need bread, we need forgiveness, and we need to forgive others. We also need help to overcome temptation and the tempter. The phrase, and lead us not into temptation, does not mean we should pray that we do not encounter temptation. If you remember, Jesus was tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, we read, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So, it does not mean praying that the Lord does not lead us into temptation, but instead it means, Lord, do not let us fall into temptation. Or, Lord, do not abandon us during the temptation. You see, when we pray like this, we are saying we are dependent on you, Lord. We are dependent on your providence. We are so weak and we are so needy that we depend on you to keep us away or to keep us stand or to stand or to help us to stand in the middle of the temptation. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, in the whole chapter, Paul presents a short list of temptations. In verse 6, he talks about idolatry, which is putting people and, or things first in our lives. So we need to pray, Lord, help us not to fall into idolatry because every day you will encounter something to worship that is not God. We need to pray, Lord, deliver us that we will not fall into idolatry. Then in verse 8, Paul urges us not to indulge, indulge um, sexual immorally. So we need to pray, Lord, help us not to fall into sexual immorally. Immorality, I'm sorry. And in verse 9 and 10, Paul encouraged us not to have an ungrateful heart. Like the people of Israel in the desert, when God was giving them everything that they needed, and they were grumbling and complaining. So Paul is telling us, is encouraging us not to have an ungrateful heart for all the many blessings that he is giving us. So we need to pray, Lord, help us not to fall into ungratefulness. Lord, do not abandon us during the temptation. And if you ask that from the Lord, I am sure that he will answer that prayer. He will listen to our prayers because he is attentive to those to pray with that desire, Lord, we are dependent. I am so weak and I need you. Look what 1 Corinthians, in the chapter that I was talking about earlier, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says this. Now, it says in, in, in this verse, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way to escape that you may be able to endure it. What a gracious God we have. What a mighty God we serve this, says this song that we sing here. But finally, Jesus teaches us that we should not only pray, lead us not into temptation, but also deliver us from evil. Or to be more exact, deliver us from the evil one. The use of the word evil in this translation is, the, is not the most accurate. This has often caused many confusions as, as we call evil pretty much to anything that is not convenient or evil to anything that is not comfortable or evil doesn't, to the things that we don't like, right? But in the original text, 
this is very clear. The word evil is translated as poneron. But the term used here is not poneron, but is poneros, which literally means the evil one. This word in the New Testament always refer to Satan. Clearly, in this passage, Jesus teaches us that the same one who tempted him in the desert, the evil one or Satan, is the one from whom we must ask for deliverance. Peter the Apostle Peter, one of his disciples who was present in, in this moment when Jesus was teaching them how to pray, later in his letter, he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 to 8. Listen what he says. At verses 7 to 8, I'm sorry. Verse 7 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, Humble yourself, therefore. Ask in humbleness to the Lord for your food, for your provision. Humble yourself, asking forgiveness. Humble yourself and forgive others. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him. Because he is your provider. Because he is who is taking care of you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And then listen to what verse 8 says. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil... How you say it? Adversary? Adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's almost the same prayer, eh? In different words. And then says, be sober-minded. Keep, keep it humble, brother. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And it seems that the Lord's Prayer ends abruptly, with no other conclusion than asking for liberation from the hands of the evil one. If we read again verse 13, where the Lord's Prayer there in this uh, chapter says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Perhaps, perhaps, and I'm just guessing here, for this reason, some manuscripts have added, because yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that 
it will end in a more poetic, in a more sublime way. But the truth is that in the oldest original manuscripts, this part do, does not exist. Our, our uh, Lord's Prayer finish, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Personally, I love how the sentence ends in the oldest copies. It begins with our Father in heaven and ends with deliver us from the evil one. As long as we live on this earth, we live between two kingdoms. We live in the kingdom of heaven and we live in the Satan's dominion. That is why Peter 5 plead to all of us, humble yourself, humble yourself on the, under the mighty hand of our heavenly Father and be sober, be watchful. The evil one, the enemy of your soul is around seeking to devour. Humble yourself. We have no power or strength. Even though many times we think we do, but we, the reality is that we are weak and we are needy. And because of these sisters, brothers, we must become a people of prayer. People that cannot go on with their day without a time with the Lord. My prayer is that this doesn't become a sermon that we agree with, but never becomes a reality. My prayer is that we don't let the sun go down today without coming to our God in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we want to say again this morning, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and never. Amen. Now I will invite you to sing with Carl and Colin and with me.
This beautiful song that said that it's called enough. It is in God. It is in Him that we have everything that we need. He is more than enough to supply all our needs and to bless us with heavenly blessings. He is more than enough to keep you safe and to complete the good work that one day started in your life. He is more than enough. Enough is a very short word. We are going to sing this song and praise the Lord for His mercies, for His kindness, and for His love for all of us. Amen. Amen.